If you follow Money Vision U on social media, then you'll know that we recently closed on 30 units in Little Rock, Arkansas, multifamily apartment units, that is. And I wanted to use this episode to show how we found it, purchased it, and take you inside the numbers. Welcome to Money Vision U. In this podcast, we are passionate about teaching the financial class you should have had in high school so you can learn how to fast track your financial freedom. If you want to learn how to make, manage, and multiply your money and see opportunities the way the wealthy do, then you came to the right place. I'm your host, Stuart Berryhill. Money Vision U, class in session. This property actually came on the market, so it was an on-market property, meaning it just appeared on the marketing platforms like Zillow or Realtor.com where people advertise a property that they're trying to sell. And I remember seeing it show up as an alert on my phone on a Sunday morning, and I immediately knew that we were going to want to put in an offer based off the location of the property and the asking price. But I drove by first to double-check that it looked good on surface level, nothing super wrong with it from a bird's-eye view, Got a copy of what's called the T12 and rent roll, and a T12 stands for trailing 12, and that just shows you essentially the income collected from rent or other income like laundry income from a laundry facility on site, and then it also itemizes the expenses that they've had from the past 12 months, thus showing you their net operating income, which is basically how you value or a key metric in valuing a commercial property. And then the rent roll shows you the previous month of renters, what they're paying, and any outstanding balances. Maybe they're behind on payments, things like that, because that's very important. And then after glancing at those, the one way I take a quick glance at a property is using the 1% rule, which applies to commercial just as much as it does to uh, residential properties. And it met that 1% rule, double-checked in our analyzer that It looked like it would be good returns for investors, and so we put an offer in on the day of. So we worked very quickly on this, and we really sold ourselves as buyers to the sellers. We let them know we have closed everything we've put under contract, which appealed to them, and they ended up taking our offer, which was originally at $1.85 million for these 30 units. And so a couple reasons we were able to get this property under contract. One is we acted extremely quickly. We beat other offers coming in. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes sellers want to just spend two weeks collecting offers and then go from there. But it doesn't hurt to go quick because you may get a seller like this one who's just looking to get rid of it. But the second reason we were able to really get this property under contract is, and I mentioned it just a second ago, but we were able to sell ourselves as buyers to the sellers because sellers hate having to go in and out of contract as you constantly have to be showing the property to buyers, and it just ends up being a lot more work. So if you can sell yourselves as a buyer, give the sellers assurance that you know what you're doing, you're able to close, that's going to help them want to work with you. Now, when we got the property officially under contract, one thing that I think is super important to make sure that you have in your contract is that you don't start your what is called due diligence phase until you get all the documents required from the agreed contract. Things like most up-to-date rent roll, 
all leases, utility statements, the list goes on and on because you want all of these documents to be able to perform proper due diligence so you can be pretty precise with your numbers. But we don't want our clock to be ticking in our contract or due diligence phase without all the documents we need to actually do our due diligence. And it actually took them a couple weeks to get all of those to us, but once we got them, we did the property inspection after that point. But Key note, make sure that if you're buying a property that your due diligence, and ours was a 30-day period, but that doesn't start until you get all of the due diligence or due diligence documents requested. And in our contract, we did a 30-day due diligence phase that doesn't start until we get all the documents, 30-day financing phase, so we're getting everything finalized with the lender, and then an option to extend the contract for 30 days by putting in more earnest money or hard money is what it would actually be at that point, meaning it would be non-refundable, but if you close, that hard money goes towards your purchase price, so it covers some of your down payment, which by the way, we had to do a 1%, well, we actually did a little bit more than 1% earnest money deposit to show our, I guess, good faith as buyers, so in this case, we actually did a $20,000 earnest money deposit. Now, If we don't end up going through with purchasing the property, as long as we get out before the due diligence phase ends, we get that back. But if we get past that or whatever point is referenced in the contract, then that money is officially becoming hard. And so you really want to close because you don't want to lose that money. So we got the contract figured out, finally did our property inspection. And in our property inspection, we go inside every single unit. We are very detailed with what we are checking, what we are tracking. We want to see what repairs need to be done in every single unit, find leaks, find maybe water heaters aren't working in certain units, whatever it is. We want to know about that so our rehab budget can be accurate and there's no hidden things that we end up finding once we actually get into the property. So we don't tour just like 10 out of 30 units. We go 30 out of 30 units. And you see some interesting things when you do that, but it is very important when doing your due diligence on a property. Now, one thing to note is that the water bill was really high on their T12. So when we were doing our inspection, we thought we might find more leaks or something like that when we were inspecting the units, and we didn't really see any, and we also scoped the plumbing lines, but really didn't find anything major. No big cracks or things like that that are excessive leaks that is causing the water to be nonstop running. So we really didn't find anything. So something we're going to try to do to minimize that cost is we're actually going to add dishwashers in all the kitchens as only like eight out of the 30 units have them currently. And those actually help quite a bit with water expense generally. And so we're going to try that. And then we're also going to use low flow toilets and some water efficient sinks and showers or shower heads to try and keep that expense down. But that's an example of something that was in our T12 that we wanted to really keep an eye on when we were doing our property inspection. Overall from the inspection though, there wasn't too much that was alarming outside needing some more cosmetics done than what was advertised. And there had been a recent fire in a unit and a couple of evictions were being processed in the fire. Just FYI, they had the insurance company paying for it. They'd already filed the claim and the claim was being paid out. So that's actually kind of a good thing for us because It makes it look like a brand new unit. And so there were some other things we found from the inspection to be able to negotiate the price a little bit based off what they told us and what we thought is false advertisement. 
and then what we actually found, we were able to negotiate that price $50,000 lower to $1.8 million. So we got all of our due diligence documents and inspections done, so then we really pinpointed our underwriting and started to look at things like target rents based on market data, which what we do there is, you know, you can see stuff on Zillow or whatever, you know, rent platforms there are, apartments.com, but we actually secret shop like we are a prospective tenant and call five property comps in the area to see what they are charging, their fees, their occupancy, things like that. So we really feel like we know what we can achieve with rents if we renovate the property to a certain level. Also, in this phase, we're searching for loan terms and just trying to find ways to make sure the underwriting is as precise as we can make it. Now, another thing to note with this property is we were closing at a time when interest rates, if you've been watching the news, those have been rising, which basically means cap rates are also increasing and thus property values are decreasing. And cap rate is just a metric that is used on an appraisal that helps value a property based off of location and income. But I've talked about that in earlier episodes. If you want to hear a little bit more about that, go check out the episode talking about commercial appraisals or other inside the numbers episodes. So we were trying to close this very quickly or as quickly as possible because every month the Fed had been hiking rates, which increases our interest rate with the bank and thus equaling less cash flow as you are having to pay more in interest payments. Now we closed a day before the rate hike in November, so that essentially saved us, by our estimations, an estimated 16000 of cash flow in the first two years. So let's look inside the numbers on some of the loan terms now, getting deeper into that. This loan is 20 years amortization at a five-year term, so that just means that interest rate is locked in for five years, and then it'll fluctuate and probably be another five-year term. We also have 24 months interest only, which helps our cash flow in the first two years because we're not having to make any principal payments and only interest payments. With a 6.5% interest rate, not the best, but not the worst, and it's actually not too bad if you look 20 years ago and things like that. We've just been spoiled in the past couple of years, but... Another thing we really liked about these loan terms is there was a or there's no prepayment penalty, which basically means we can refinance or sell the property before the term ends. And the other thing to note on this one, it was 80-20 loan to cost. And I'll break that down in a second, but I want to say first that this was more or well, this was our most favorable loan terms, and it was actually a local bank to use or what we thought was best for us to use when we were looking at different lenders because it didn't require quite as much money down, it gave more interest, and I do want to say with the requiring as much money down, sometimes it's good to put more money into a deal and have less leverage, so to speak, but we didn't feel like we needed that in this scenario. But anyways, some other benefits that we thought were crucial with these loan terms is having more interest-only time or interest-only months and The no prepayment penalty was big for us because we think interest rates have a strong chance at dropping in the next 24 months to 36 months. We're not banking on that, but if that does happen, we would look to potentially refinance or just sell earlier than even our estimated three to five year hold period. The next step or layer in this process is our original purchase price was 
at 1.8 million. Well, actually, it was 1.85, and we got that down to 1.8 from a little negotiations. But when we got our appraisal back, that came in actually a little bit lower than we wanted. So, long story short, from that we were able to negotiate fifty thousand more dollars off the purchase price, but we had to pay twenty thousand of the seller's broker fee. So it kind of canceled out, but this ultimately gave us more money lended or lent to us. So now let me try and summarize all this. In summary, one point seven five million was the purchase price plus two hundred thousand dollar rehab or renovation cost bringing our total cost of the purchase price plus the renovation to $1.95 million, and our down payment on that would be 20%. So our estimated capital needed for down payment, closing costs, our portion funded of rehab, since they're only loaning 80% of what we need, and the reserves, because we want to have some reserves in our or an emergency fund, so to speak, in our account. That capital needed... All in all, summed up to be about 500000 Now, my partner and I, we don't have all of that. So many real estate investors don't. They partner with others in order to make a deal happen. So that's what we did with this deal. We are doing a joint venture or JV deal, which basically just means investors coming together to put their money in and get the returns that real estate can provide or a good real estate deal, I should say. So we've raised money from investors, and the anticipated returns are about, or between 18 and 22% average annual return, depending on the different variables like how long we hold, if we refinance, etc. The cash flow, or the cash on cash return, on this deal isn't quite as high as we would like. It's still cash flowing just fine. 3 or 4% at least could be higher. But it's not quite as high because, one, higher interest rate, which everyone's fighting against right now anyways, and then two, 20-year note or 20-year amortization, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just means you're paying more principal during your loan period. So you could have a 30-year amortization and have more cash on cash or more cash flow coming in, but it really ends up being pretty similar returns if you have a 30-year amortization period with more cash flow compared to a 20-year amortization period with less cash flow because you get that principal back when you close or potentially refinance a deal. I want to add with that $1.75 million purchase price that we were basically able to purchase this property at $58,000 or $58,300 per door. And we're just super excited about getting a C-class property in a B-class neighborhood at that price as we know from experience and just really keeping a close watch on this market, that that is a really good purchase price compared to other properties in these type of neighborhoods at that price per door. For example, there's a comp property that is right across the street that's 33 units, or I say right across the street, it's like half a mile away, and I think our location is actually a little bit better, but this property, 33 units, sold in 2020 for 83000 per door. So what's that, like 25000 more than what we are buying at, and things have actually only appreciated since 2020. Yes, they've come down a little bit, but from 2020 to 2022, where we're at now, the price is still ultimately appreciated. There was also a 30-unit property in more of a C-class neighborhood or location in Little Rock that came on the market while we were closing or late into our closing period, and it came on the market at $75,000 per door. 
I doubt that they sell it at their price, but it's still nice to see that comp compared to our price. Anyways, that's a look inside how we found the deal, tackled the deal, and just a look inside the numbers. You can see that we're always looking to partner with investors, so if you're interested, feel free to message me and I would love the opportunity to partner with you on a deal in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Vision U. If this is something that added value to you, then please subscribe, leave a review, and share. We are passionate about teaching financial literacy so you can learn to take control of your financial future. If you want to learn more, then follow us on social media platforms at MoneyVisionU. We look forward to catching you in the next class.